come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. I'm your polter guide, Matt. And I am your polter guest, Ryan. Hi, Ryan! Hey, everybody. Polter guide Debbie was going to take a road trip. She had invested in some real estate. It's, it's fine. It's fine. The scheme she has is unclear to me at this point. She bought a whole <laughs> town and is going to sell it back to other people. But the town's a piece of shit. She tried to get me invested in it. And I'm like, no, that seems like a dumb idea, Deb. All due respect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but good luck to you. Yeah. I mean, she had yeah. all of us on a Zoom call about it. It was it was a little I mean, it was unexpected. It was unexpected. I, I asked the question, how is this different from a timeshare? And I got kicked out of the Zoom meeting. <laughs> so clearly that's not the question Debbie wanted at that juncture in the process. I mean, in her defense, though, Mac, there was like 50 other people on the Zoom call, some of which we didn't even know. So it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. She's fine. (laughs) So this week we watched the new 2022. I can't believe it's 2022. uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that dropped on Netflix. Those of you that don't know what this is about, uh, Max Nemesis IMDb wants you to know that after nearly 50 years of hiding, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of... To stop gentrification of Harlow, Texas. I mean, you're not wrong. Can you gentrify the Lily White Town from the last picture show, though? That's the question I have for people. Well, isn't it also... It's a ghost town. and They, they refer to it as a ghost town. So yeah. You can't gentrify an abandoned building. There's no one there. Whose rent are you raising if it's an abandoned building? But are the buildings abandoned? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was somebody there. You had the mechanic. There was, yeah. But um, they're going to disagree with you, just so we're clear. But a group of young friends who accidentally disrupt this carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. All right. So let's get into it. Um, I know this was our all of our first time watching it. So did you like it? Did you not like it? Okay, before anybody says anything, now we've talked a little bit about the movie and I get a sense of where people's opinions are going to lie, lie. And I, I don't know if we're going to have a lot of dissension on this episode, but some of us may like it. Some of us may hate it. All four of us have excellent taste and all of these things can be true at the same time. I want to go... In a whole new direction. I want to hear Max predictions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let's well, hear Max prediction. I I think Kenzie liked it. I think Donna's ambivalent. Ryan doesn't like it, and my prediction is I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> That, the boy, that was a shot in the dark on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you're you're already 25% wrong because I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, having said that, I expected to hate it. Okay. Um, I went in and expecting to hate it, and it kind of 
got me at the beginning, me going, okay, okay, all right. So uh, the fact that I went in expecting to hate it and then kind of liked some things at the beginning um, was good. So, uh, in fact, the first thing I wrote down was 20 minutes in, I'm not disappointed. So I, I liked it. I don't know if I loved it. I liked it. Um, and actually, yeah, Mac, you're not wrong with me. Uh, I liked it. You know, I had kind of read some of the discourse on Twitter about it, and I had actually kind of read both camps. And uh, so I was prepared for that. But you know what? It was it was fun. It was fine. Um, there's some things that I did enjoy, which when, when we start really deep diving into this, we'll get into. And yeah. Yeah, I think you got me right, too. I think I liked the beginning. Um, and as the movie continued, I kind of just got frustrated with We'll get into it, but I got frustrated with the, I don't know, there's that scene where uh, Melody is getting chased by the chainsaw through the floor, and there's these, like, large spaces to her left and right, and she just keeps charging straight ahead, and go left, go right. You know he can't turn the chainsaw if it's in the floor, because the, <laughs> the teeth of the chainsaw are going forward or backwards only. You could take it out and stab, but he, he, you can... You can go left or right. Um, but I did very much like up until the uh, the the caretaker's death. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. So I, I think I'm hitting about 75%. And I, I don't yeah. think I was 100% off on Donna. I was pretty, I wasn't like way over here and she was way <laughs> over here. Fair, I was, fair. yeah. Um, I didn't like it. I, I think I liked parts of the beginning. I liked some of the photography of the uh, of Texas. I liked that John Larroquette was back as the narrator. Yes. Uh, just getting it under the wire as a legacy sequel because none of the original cast were back other than John Larroquette. I spent the entirety of the movie still trying to figure out what I get, guess they're Gen Z, what their whole financial scheme was in this. I couldn't. I couldn't wrap my head around what brought them to this town at all. Uh, and I think the, and I think we're going to talk about it later, the, the idea of the return of the, the revenge of the final girl, for lack of a better term. I, I, I like the idea of bringing that trope into modern horror now, but I feel like this was too much uh, Kmart brand Halloween to 2018. <laughs> um <laughs> Did we see the same meme about Lori and uh, Hardesty? Uh, maybe, <laughs> but I don't know if I needed the meme to come to that conclusion because like my notes here are like, okay, so it's Halloween 2018. Got it. Okay, so she's Laurie Strode. Got it. Um, it took a long time because like Texas Chainsaw is the ugly cousin of the Halloween movies. Like it, it, you're supposed to feel yeah. nauseous through most of it. And I didn't feel properly nauseated until way later into the movie. And then there's several moments where you're just like, Oh, come on. There's the, the, the part where Leatherface makes the, makes the chainsaw, the guy's penis and then kills the woman like right next to him. And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess it would be a penis. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I did not like I, it. I missed that completely. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Where where it was was that when the when the man and the woman were together in the bus and he yeah and he yeah. he stabbed yeah. through the man and then pushed the man into the woman. I missed that aspect of it completely. It's the uh, Carol J. Clover, the men, women, and chainsaws. Yeah. Okay. She, yeah. she writes in that essay. Uh, 
every slasher weapon is a penis. And this movie was just like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's honor <laughs> Carol J. Clover. Subtext, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> text only. Yeah. Text. I, I have the ability to be amazingly naive. I can be incredibly naive. And I guess this was one of those moments. But I bring it back to the original point. We all have relatively differing opinions on this movie. Mm-hmm. All of our tastes are excellent. We don't have to feel stupid for liking or disliking the movie to any degree. Yes. No. That's not directed to anyone, but it's just a, a message for the world. <laughs> well, I, but I think you're I think you're hitting on one of the great things that I love about horror is that it's subjective. That you know what what someone enjoys as opposed to what someone else enjoys, neither are wrong. That you know what what terrifies you may not terrify somebody else, but they're all good. It's all horror. It's all good. And I think you're hitting on what makes horror great. Uh, you know, this is my soapbox is that you don't have to watch or like certain films to be considered a real horror fan. I think that yeah. I think that is bullshit. I, you know, just because, you know, something's not my bag or your bag, you know, I'm still get, I can still see the merits of it. You know, my example is going to be hereditary. I can see why people like it. It's not for me. And that's OK. It's still beautiful film. Very well acted, but not for me. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, exactly right. I agree. So I loved the bit with the sunflowers because, you know, um, uh, Melody managed to bond with the cop. Um, By the way, I feel like they failed with the cop harassing the black guy thing because the guy took his hands off the wheel and had his hands out of sight completely. And the cop didn't react to that. So unless we were I don't know, I feel like that was a they they should have just not even gone there. Side note, I think they were trying to uh, be different. You know what I mean? And that's fine. I think the cop was also not supposed to be a bad guy. I don't know. But Melody bonded with the cop by the, you know, when the sun, when the sunflowers bloom, winter is over or whatever the saying was. And then just a few shots later, we had the very, very dead sunflowers and just a field of dead sunflowers. So winter is not dead. Winter is not dead. Okay. Winter is here. It is it is winter. There is some very beautiful mm-hmm. uh, yes. exterior photography in this film, especially for, yeah. for a film where they could have phoned that stuff in. That was an artistic shot. And honestly, I really feel like the photographer found a field of sunflowers and came back and said, you gotta let me use this. Put a line in. Let me use this. You gotta let me make this mean something. Hmm. Fix it. I think some of that, uh, talking about the photography and all that, I think because this was executive produced by uh, Fede Alvarez, I think yeah. that is gonna, some of that is gonna be his aesthetic and just, you know, like, no, we need a little bit of this. Side note about the cop, Donna, I don't know if actually any of you, I don't know if you recognize who the cop was, but that was Gorman from Aliens. I did recognize. Well, excuse me, let me back up and be honest here. I knew I recognized his face. I didn't recognize him from Aliens, but I knew I recognized him. I was very excited. I was like, oh, good for you, Gorman. I'm glad you're working. 
I also want to mention, uh, speaking of things that I surprised, I have written down here. Um, I love the cowboy surprise. I predict now, this is actually right after we first met cowboy, cowboy with the gun. Um, he's not just going, I, I, I learned a new word recently, griffinage, which means um, uh, illegible scrawl, which is now how I'm going to describe my handwriting forever. <laughs> griffinage. Um, I predict now he's not just going to live. He's going to turn out to be a good guy. 45 minutes later, he was dead. No, actually, 25 minutes later, he was yeah. dead. Um, but I was right. But I did like the cowboy and I was I was I, I liked that they kind of gave him depth. He was not just yeah. an asshole. He was an asshole, but he was more than just an asshole. He was an asshole for the angels. Yeah. 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 I yeah. like that. An yeah. asshole for the angels. I think he was one of the, the bright spots of the movie for me. Yeah. I really yeah. liked when he defended having a gun by saying there's feral hogs, which which there are in Texas. Yeah. Um, it seems like a reasonable thing the way he explains it. And I do think like, yeah, I want like assault weapons bans. I think a person who lives near feral hogs having a shotgun or a pistol does not bother me very much. Um, they should coyotes. Themselves. And coyotes. Yes, there's coyotes in my neighborhood. Um, and there's apparently two guys who are hunting the coyotes, which I do not like at all. Um, they're not like hired by anyone. They're just in the neighborhood hunting coyotes and they're going to shoot me and my dog one night. <laughs> Because you both kind of look like coyotes. <laughs> Either Ryan nor his dog look like coyotes. I just want to. <laughs> yeah. Are we sure it's really coyotes and you don't have a werewolf problem down there? We could have a werewolf problem. Just throwing that out there. How, how bad would your luck have to be to be a were coyote? I mean, you get bitten and then you turn and you look in the mirror and go, God Damn it, I couldn't even be a wolf. I'm a fucking coyote. Did you guys God see the creep it. show Christmas special from like two years ago with the uh, I think one guy was a were turtle? Yes. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. <laughs> yes, you that that Christmas special Ryan is talking about. If you have Shudder, seek it out and watch it because it is a delight. It is a gory delight. Back to the Texas Chainsaws. I did think, I think Richter was one of the, the most well-written characters. I think he behaved logically throughout the film. Um, I think when he took the keys, I thought it made sense. Um, and I think that he just acquitted himself well throughout until he got uh, chainsawed to death. Yeah. I'm going to go on a rant about not him, but a thing that happened to him, but I'll save that for later because I have a variety of medical related rants. I'll save it for later. So one thing I, I did like about this. And I think Mac, you kind of started talking about it a little bit in the beginning was uh, Texas chainsaw being Halloween's ugly cousin. This film is a tight 75 minutes and it is uh it is brutal, it's gory, and it is, uh, once it really gets going, I mean, it's gone. And right. there are some definitely some gnarly practical effects that I really appreciated in this mm -hmm. that was just wonderful on display. I don't think there was a moment I was actually scared. I don't think there was a moment I really felt the tension. 
um, having an elderly man babbling away about weird stuff in the seat next to me didn't help. I will confess. I, I kept turning the volume up on my headphones to try and... <laughs> But that's just my own personal viewing experience. One of these days, I'm going to start selling tickets to the Poltergeist Donna viewing experience so you can all enjoy halfway through the movie having somebody interrupt you to go check the mail. It's just, you know, it really adds to the view. I'm sorry. Um, uh, this movie actually did get me with a jump. Uh, when is it Melody's going upstairs to look for and uh, before she gets hit in the chest with the hammer? that sends her to the floorboards. But when Leatherface comes back into frame, suddenly, like I jumped, I was like, Oh shit. Like it, it, it got me. And I was, you know, it was loud enough that Billy in the living room heard me. And he was like, you okay. I was like, yep, I'm good. Now the only, um, the only moment that really got me was the very first when Leatherface first, I guess became not dormant when he reached out and broke that cop's arm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that was the, the moment I went, whoa! I think that was the best kill in the movie. When he breaks the guy's wrist and it's the compound fracture, he starts stabbing him in the neck with his own wrist bone. Yeah. I think that yeah. was the, the goriest, the best kill. Well, I especially liked the two bones. I, I, I appreciate anatomical accuracy. <laughs> the two bones and then it was good. That sound effect was the two bones stabbing. Yeah. It was good. Um, I do think the kills in this had double the blood and half the brutality of the original. I think in the original, there's uh, very little to no blood. But when Leatherface puts that girl on the hook and when he hits that guy on the head with the hammer and his feet go all crazy, there's no blood. But I think like those stick with me. I remembered those. I haven't watched that movie in five years. I can still like picture perfectly. Her getting put on the hook, his legs spasming. And that mm -hmm. noise, like I'm I'm like, as you're talking about it, there's a noise that when he gets hit on the head that he makes as yeah. No, I'm I agree, Ryan. The mm -hmm. the death, not so much the blood, is it more vivid in the original, whereas here the yeah. blood is more vivid than the death. Yeah. Um, I do think this movie is in the unenviable spot of being compared to the original. I think a lot of the crazy reactions like this and Halloween kills come from people wanting it to be the original, um, which isn't an unreasonable thing to want when it has the same name as the original. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, Donna, do you want to, since we've been kind of talking about the, the, the compound fracture and practical effects. So do you want to take us uh, to Dr. Donna's medical corner? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me start with again. I really appreciated the compound fracture. I thought that was really well done. You could look at it and go, "There's the radius. There's the ulna. Look, they're fractured." So that was good. Now, um, Richter was that his name? Richter. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, the mechanic. This is a thing they like to do in movies, and I appreciate what they're trying to do when somebody's leg is obviously broken like not not when they landed wrong and they make kind of a sound and then they walk on it with a limp and you're like okay well maybe they sprained it but when the leg is obviously broken like like he hit that leg with a sledgehammer and you saw it bend like that leg was broken and then he walked on it here's the thing there's physics there's mechanics 
to the way your legs work. There's lever action going on there. Okay. There is bones, there's muscles pulling on bones and there's levers working. If those bones are not intact, your leg does not work. It does not matter how much strength of will you bring to it. And I get it. Rick, you're supposed to be tough. I get it. But it's like if you break the axle on your car, it does not matter how tough your car is. It does not matter how straight, how much strength of will you pour through the steering wheel of your car. It will not work because the axle's broken. And if your tibia has been shattered, it does not matter how much strength of will. It does not matter how tough you are. You cannot walk on that leg because the physics will not allow it. So that is a little rant that I bring every time they show us a leg is broken and then the person walks on it because they're that tough. You can't, you cannot, will not work. So that's rant one. I get it, Richter's tough. If that bone's not there, he can't walk on it, period. Now, that's not my big rant. The kind of inciting incident of this movie, the thing that made Leatherface go from just a big dumb guy to a rampaging murderer was when the old lady died. Now, the old lady died because she was killed by the Gen Z's, right? The Gen Z's got in an argument with her over the title and she died because of them. Nah, she died because her heart chose that moment to throw a clot. Well, something threw a clot and that clot lodged in her heart right then. And that's why she died. Okay. She died because her heart quit working at that moment. Her heart could have quit working because she climbed up and down the stairs. Her heart could have quit working because she lived with Leatherface. Even dormant Leatherface is a stressful roommate. (laughs) For sure. So no, The gentrifiers did not kill her. It is not their fault she died. It is not the fault of a missing deed that she died. She just chose, well, she didn't choose. A clot chose that moment to lodge in a vessel in her heart. And that's why she died. It is nobody's fault except possibly her poor choices in diet. Possibly, I don't know. Family predisposition. genetics yeah Yeah. um and and maybe she didn't take her meds that day i don't know but trying to explain all of that which i'm not disagreeing with you to dormant leatherface is not possible oh no leatherface leatherface gonna leatherface yeah (laughs) leatherface we can't explain that to and i get it but the mechanic we can explain that to um other people uh, in the auction, we can explain that too. But yeah, Leatherface, no. All he knows is here his caretaker is gone and his caretaker appeared to be fine that morning. So I get it. Leatherface is not going to understand that argument. Yeah. And I think the kid's feeling guilty. I get it. Even if it's not technically their fault. I think if I had to evict an old woman and she died of a heart attack immediately afterwards, I would feel partially responsible, even if I wasn't in reality, responsible. And with the exception of Lila, it's probable none of them had ever seen someone die before. Yes. Um, And 
granted, they didn't actually see her die, but for all practical purposes, they saw her die. And that's, um, you know, that's an overwhelming experience. So, yeah, sure, they were having some feels for sure. But was it their fault? No, it was not their fault. They did not kill her. And uh, for anyone to blame them for her death is um, not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. Leatherface did not behave okay in this movie. I think no. Leatherface's behavior was was inappropriate. He and I think take a second and really think about the chain of events. Like just go inside and say, "What's really going on with Leatherface?" Some grounding <laughs> exercises, maybe, maybe a little meditation. Yeah. I mean, take her face. Sure, put it on your face because that's your comfort zone. Yeah. Do what you do the ritual you need to do to grieve. <laughs> but, you know, there's a certain point where I do blame Leatherface for the uh, the events of the film. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Oh. Um, so am I the only one that thought uh, the older hardesty look like a lady version of mick garris looking up mick garris's okay look up rick look yeah. up mick garris because i um, yes, absolutely yeah. sure absolutely looks like mick garris because that is all like i'm like okay this is really cool and then all of a sudden i'm like there's a part of my brain that's like that's mick garris i'm like damn it brain don't <laughs> tell me these things because then that's all i'm seeing um i do like though speaking of hardesty i like and this is a big thanks to. Okay, I may have miss. I may have misspelled Garris, but oh. I've, got, I've got the guy from Sling Blade, and then I've got the turtle dude from um, Mass Effect. Oh, both of those work too. <laughs> oh, 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 Donna! Oh my gosh! So, uh, so who's McGarris? Uh he's he is actually one of the few directors that has successfully adapted Stephen King stuff. Uh he did the 90s version of The Stand. Uh did he do the 90s version of The Shining as well? I think so. Uh he's been in Masters of Horror. <laughs> he's um he is all over the horror genre. The Stephen King stuff is how I know him. And you will see him pop up in random like cameos and just did different places. Did he do the Salem's Lot with Rob Lowe? He might have. I never watched it, so I can't say. You're, you're fine. You're fine okay. without it. Yeah. Okay. I brought up but. his uh, his Wikipedia page. He did do The Stand and The Shining. I'm not seeing Salem's Lot. I am seeing Bag of Bones. Okay. That sounds about right. Who did Salem's Lot? Who? What Joker do they get to do that? <laughs> no, Toby Hooper did the 70s one. I right. didn't realize there's yeah. a 90s one with Rob Lowe. Um, I imagine it's not good because I don't know about it. It was 2004. I, I said 90s okay. and I was I misspoke. But yeah, no, I so with Hardest yet, kind of who I kept seeing was him. And I'm like, oh, no, not not every person with older person with long white hair is Mick Garris. But you're not helping brain. <laughs> uh and then just to briefly touch, I do, thanks to 2018's Halloween, I am loving this 
trope that is emerging of revisiting final girls. Oh, absolutely. I think it is phenomenal. I love I love seeing these older women who are allowed to look old with wrinkles and long white hair and thicker waists come back and instead of being scared little virgins, they are badasses and they're kicking ass and I love it. I love it. Yes. It's kind of the same as, you know, our princesses are now generals. It's oh, yeah. The, our final girls are now kicking ass. Inject that into my veins. Right. I like the idea. I wish they had maybe done something with Sally Hardesty that wasn't so echoing Laurie yeah. Strode in Halloween 18. Like, that's the only complaint I have. Yeah. On pitch, Sally Hardesty gets her revenge on Leatherface. I'm in for, but, you know, making her uh, rural Texas's Batman. <laughs> like, I- I've seen that movie and I like that movie, but I've seen that movie. So uh, a question I came in with, um, I read online, um, Sally is very one dimensional. Is she a parody of Laurie Strode from Halloween 18? Well, yeah, in this version, I mean, because it seems to imply that that she's had no life basically between Texas Chainsaw and this There's no other life. She still has the picture from her friends who died 60 years ago. Well, they talk. Think she's just been searching for Leatherface. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, let's say. Well, they mention the gas station attendant mentions. I think it's him that mentions that she became a Texas Ranger. But I do think you're right. I think that it is a great value, Laurie Strode, for lack of a better phrase, and that her life became consumed looking for him. And so, by going the law enforcement route, that's all she's done. So. I will say this for Hardesty, which is that Lori knows who the killer is and knows where he is, whereas yeah. Hardesty does not know who the killer is. He could be anybody. Well, he's a big guy. So but, you know, so as far as her obsession, she's got a different situation from Lori. And there that's that's the end of my making excuses for it. No, you're you're right on that. Yes, I'd say that's right. I think I think that's where I'm like, I, I want to believe what Ryan said. Is it a parody of Laurie Strode? I, I think it's a parody without any laughs, which is a problem. Yeah. Um, but th- that brings it up to mind that the whole, oh, the mysterious disappearance of Leatherface, I never bought throughout the movie. It's like, where did he go? No one knows. Oh, there he is. Because he is like a very distinct human. Yeah. Um, in his size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And temperament. Like and temperament. You, yes. Yeah. Like bring me all the hulking people in this area of Texas. Okay, guys, I just want to have a conversation with you. Oh, you're all capable of having a rational conversation, except this guy. I think you're Leatherface. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mystery solver, hardesty detective. <laughs> <laughs> I did question if I think the whole town knew that Leatherface was there. I think yeah. people knew that they had to know that that was Leatherface. And they were just like, if he's here and she has control of him, we're just going to leave well enough alone and not tell Sally about it. There's beats of this film. And this may and this may be one of them talking about the town protecting him. There's beats of this film that also remind me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is the over the top gore. And then the town protecting their own. Because 
I always got the feeling with two that they knew all about Leatherface and his family and that their barbecue is people and they were fine with it. Yeah. And I kind of get that feeling with there. There's a little bit of that DNA sprinkled into this. Or maybe I'm just wanting to see that because I like to. <laughs> and however you need to get to the movie to like it, that that's fine. Yeah. That journey is your journey. True. And two is erased in this continuity, correct? Yeah. I had the feeling that everything but the first was erased. Gee, where have I seen that before? <laughs> yeah, the, this is, yeah, the legacy continuity is the, yeah. the term that it's the original and then this. Uh, Scream 5 called them requels. Yeah. sequels. I think that's a good name for it. Yeah. I think with some of these um, movies where you have a good movie and then you have a quick rush to make money off of those good movies. Yes. Uh, I can't blame them for it because you've got a good movie no. right. and then you have garbage. I can't blame them for saying, let's just pretend like that didn't happen. Well, we, oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, even if the other movies are good, it, it's a good idea if you're trying to relaunch a franchise to simplify the continuity. Just do the yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths things. OK, just yeah. You, you don't want to read all these comic books because they're too convoluted. OK, you only have to read now like one or two things to understand what's going on because we've mm -hmm. destroyed everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone else miss the rest of the Sawyer family? Yeah. Mm hmm. Part of the charm of the original is just how fucked up things are in that house. And I was yes. I was wanting that in this vampire grandpa. Yeah, I don't know if he's actually a vampire, but the scene where they're putting the hammer in his hand to kill Sally is absolutely disturbing. I don't know if terrifying or disturbing, I think mm -hmm. it has been so long since I've seen the original. Um, in fact, to be completely honest, I'm not sure if I saw the original. Hmm. Um, I know I have seen a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm not sure if I saw that Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In fact, I'm betting I didn't see the original because whatever cha Texas Chainsaw Massacre I did see forever ago, I didn't like, which is why I expected to hate this one. I do agree with Ryan that there are certain scenes in that original film that you remember. So I think if you saw it, Donna, you would be like, oh, yeah. You would remember these yeah. beats. It's not, it sounds like you may have seen the 03 remake of it. Just yeah. Piecing it together because that's far less memorable, but and likable. Is that the <laughs> one where Alexand uh, Alexander Diodario tosses him the chainsaw and says, get him or something like get him, cousin? Maybe? No, that was a couple of years ago. I, that ah. was like the mm. the prequel like Leatherface. Yeah. 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 Cause the, because the, the Oh three ones got Jessica Beale and then that That's one. Right. And then that one has a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning one, which has got uh, Jordana Brewster from the fast and furious movies <laughs> and the faculty. Isn't there also one that's got Jennifer Aniston? That's Leprechaun. Leprechaun. Yeah. Leprechaun's oh. a different dude than Leatherface. But, you know, <laughs> phonetically. Alphabetically. Yeah. Yeah. If you did an alphabetical <laughs> list of the monsters. <laughs> now I want a Leprechaun Texas Chainsaw crossover. <laughs> Leatherface and Leprechaun working together. <laughs> I think you and Mac need to write this and pitch it. 
<laughs> there might be some rights issues, but I, I think if, if if the dream is strong, yeah. we will prevail. I if think new, they will come. I think New Line's got them both, so I think you guys could do this. You just okay. Need to new Line. <laughs> and I have to tell you about my 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 rules that I was coming up with at the end. So one that I never managed to. Um, put as a rule was just i was i'm in stream of consciousness territory at this point was mel shut up <laughs> i just wrote down mel shut up um but so i wrote down rule when locked in the back of a van by a formal final girl bent on vengeance shut up then just don't go to texas they're fucking nuts um then ranged weapons are called ranged weapons for a reason um then when you finally corner your quarry after 50 years, just kill him. Now, this one is in a couple of parts because I had to edit it along the way. Remember Chekhov's assault rifle faster. Mm. But then I had to scratch out remember and change it to learn how to take the safety off <laughs> of Chekhov's assault rifle. But those were all rejected as rules for this film. <laughs> So if we're getting to where we're, we're not surviving with the rule suggestions, now that they went on, point, we had already lost a busload of people yeah. by that point. So, yeah, I, I, I guess it's fair. I mean, the, the safety thing, I think, encapsulates everything that bothered me about this movie. Um, it just felt like the it was very much written to have the things they wanted to happen when so like people would die, like very clearly die. And then just kind of still be alive enough to to help a little bit. And and the, the bus scene, which like in theory, if you told me I was gonna see Leatherface barge into a bus and chop down 35 influencers in a go, I would like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got me. You have my number. Um, but the fact that none of them did anything to try to get away made it very difficult to to feel anything at all in that moment is like you can run you can move you don't need to just stand there and get chainsawed i think you just gave the pitch that they the studio got for this film was okay leatherface in in a bus trapped with influencers killing them and they were just they were like you all right i'm in let's so then they yeah. they had to then work backwards i think you have that scene i just need the people to run I honestly think they believed that their phones were saving them. I really did. They they thought that the fact that they had him on camera was saving them from him. I think the initial pause I get, but the like the man in front of me was just chainsawed in half. Should I run around Leatherface as he moves forward? Should I back up? Should I punch him? Kick him? Throw my phone at him? Should I do anything? Other than just stand there and wait. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. At the point, it becomes clear that your phone is not protecting you. And I think if it's the if it's a joke, they had to play it up more. Yes, please. Like you could even <laughs> like he chainsaws somebody, and, and in their death throes, they they still take a selfie, and then the selfie posts, and it's him the, the person dying and leatherface yeah yeah 
Leatherface Leprechaun coming summer 2022. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys both are right. I think if they would have leaned heavier into the campy gore, it would have been different. And I, I mean, I think it would have there would be less discourse about it. Like they would embrace they'd embrace the the silly. Right. Yeah. And, and you, you almost wonder if that's somewhere in the film. And given that it's a 75 minute runtime, that somebody Netflix, the producers, whoever really chopped the hell out of this movie before it saw any eyes. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I can't imagine anybody goes into a situation making a 75 minute movie. It seems I think weird it's like the same length as the original, though. Possibly. I don't know if that's a tribute um, thing. Maybe. Because, yeah, there's definitely I mean, they let you know there's parallels, you know, from from the closing shot to John Lauerkett narrating again to the door kill. The original is 83 minutes. Okay, but I mean, same territory. Yeah. Yeah. But something about 75 minutes screams to me that it was a two hour movie that they locked down or even a 90 minute movie that they that they trimmed up. Uh, I don't know what about 75 minutes makes me think that was not the target originally. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that just shows the the masterclass of Toby Hooper. Yeah. From being a good director to a great director. You know what I mean? Like, it's nothing against this guy that did this. He did a good job, but Toby Hooper. Right. And we we talked off mic about this and like, is it good? Is it not good? Does it matter if it's not that good? Is it worth getting mad about on Twitter? It is not like I'm yeah. I'm I'm on one end of the spectrum of the, on the reaction to this movie. It is not worth getting mad about on Twitter. Internet. Yes. But I think the, the remark I said that, you know, it's sort of against God's plan that any movie is good. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I don't feel ill will toward these people. They 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 understood the assignment and they did it. And there are things I disliked about it and liked about it. But yeah. Um, the director is David Blue Garcia. Thank by the you. way, I just looked it up. Um, I think the other thing, if this movie wasn't a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, if this just had a different name, I don't think there'd be any reaction like the one that would that actually happened. It, it wouldn't make an impression. I think that's part of the problem too. Um, what if even more successful the "Don't uh, Cancel Me, Bro" or whatever stuff? If it just wasn't part of like an existing legacy yeah. franchise, especially one of the big ones. Because I'm wearing right now uh, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre gas station T-shirt, oh, uh, which is in Bastrop, Texas, and is now a uh, a barbecue shop that has lots of horror action figures and T-shirts like the one I'm wearing right now that I bought from them. It's nice. pretty cool. It's like a half hour outside of Austin. It's pretty close to my house. Cool. Neat. That's very cool. Um, I I have one note that says "You dumb bitch" with no context <laughs> on it at all. And, Does it need it? Uh, actually, it, because I assumed it was addressed to Mel because Mel has a variety of you dumb bitch moments. And and I finally realized based on the context around it, it was um, Dante's girlfriend when she decided way, way too early to try and get out of the truck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like she might have lived if she would have just like pretended dead. to be dead. For but, for. A- for a character who who the Netflix subtitles identified only as Dante's partner, I'm okay. I'm going to grade on a curve. You don't have a name. You're not a full person. We can't expect much from you. So, yeah, I just thought I would 
let you know that I did by the end of the podcast figure out who you dumb bitch was referring to. I think my final thought is that um, I kind of get the plan to turn it into a tourist destination for like a okay. brunch spot. Explain it to me like I'm dumb because I'm still working <laughs> okay. on it. I I think it kind of makes sense. They found this abandoned territory. They're planning to make it a vacation destination. Um, so they have everyone who's there. They're all restaurateurs. All of them were restaurateurs? Or they're all there to open... Uh, the people on the bus, at least, were there to bid on lots right. in this place um, to open restaurants and such. And they're going to start their basically their own. Just I feel like I've been to places like that in Oklahoma where like the uh, the pioneer woman's restaurant is. There's like a whole town just around her restaurant. Um, and I think the connective tissue we're missing is how these Gen Z's have the money to buy a whole town. Because um, I think if I knew that. If you could tell me either their parents were wealthy um, right. or their Instagram photos were so successful, they had a billion dollars to start this product, this project. Um, I could, I think the movie would just be much better at that point. because I'd have a better understanding and I'd know who these people were. And I feel like I don't at any point know who they are. Like, I don't know where the money is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Or where it's going to come from when they open up this crazy ass business venture, like come to the hind end of Texas. We make good omelets. I mean, what, what, what's what's the end game for these people? Well, I think we kind of see it in the uh, and I really like the detail of the the bottle opener chainsaw. I think there's a whole in, in the continuity of these films and in real life in a lot of ways, like in the same way, there's a. Uh, you could buy Ed Gein t-shirts now, even though he was a horrible, horrific killer. And that's really fucking weird. You could buy leather face paraphernalia. And this is going to be the, if you are obsessed with leather face murdering those teens in 1973 or 1974, right. this is the town where you go to celebrate or, I mean, celebrates the word for it, um, even though it's a, a bad word. <laughs> if they if they had embraced that a little bit more, because I thought, oh, he, he, this is the gr- this would have been the great rationale for buying up this town. Th- they are independent horror movie producers going to create yeah. a slasher flick and they think, oh, this town is great. And then, uh oh, Leatherface. <laughs> you could have. Yeah. The Gen Z commune for greater gastroenterology didn't. I mean, we also never got like any impression that any of them had worked at a restaurant before. Yeah. Well, Dante was referred to more than once as the chef. That's true. You're, yeah. you're the chef. But he had a food truck. Both of them. Uh, oh, yeah. And were, were Internet famous. Yeah. And then they I guess they reached out to other influencers. And this is where yeah. we we got the. Uh, but But why this would make the rebuilt Harlow function. Yeah. And I don't know about food trucks. I would imagine that a food truck is about a million dollar a year kind of thing. Maybe. I don't know if that's profit or uh, revenue. Yeah. I don't know if that's uh, before or after expenses. I would imagine it's not like uh, I opened a food truck and now I'm a billionaire and can buy a small town in Texas, buy a ghost town. The conceit of how these these young people are to be slaughtered doesn't add up for me. And I think that's where I'm like, no, I'm an old man and I need to understand the financials of this before I feel anything for these murders. No, I won't I think, do it. I think I'm with you. Um, but it's not that bad. 
I want to know what kind of rich asshole is being murdered in front of me. I feel like I need to know what kind of asshole I'm seeing. I know they're an asshole. Uh, they bullied that old lady in her house. And they uh, and made her heart explode, Ryan. I, I don't <laughs> think they're responsible, but they were very mean. And they're the kind of people who just come in and evict someone. Um, I don't like that kind of person. I think eviction is bad. I don't think I'm crazy. I'm going out on any limb that's going to get me canceled for saying eviction is bad. It's, 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 it's an exceptionally controversial opinion, Ryan. I'm glad you're here to, yeah. to, <laughs> to broadcast it. <laughs> just give me more of the rich people. Especially when they're saying, behold, the joys of late stage capitalism. They are late stage capitalism. But they're post-capitalist capitalists. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. Mac, you have our rule. Uh, I think it veers right from our uh, uh, just immediately preceding discussion. Uh, always mer- make sure you have the deed with you. Make sure your documents are in order. Oh, that was a bad segue, gang. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Oh, everything you said was great about don't evict people. And then we followed it with you have your make sure your paperwork <laughs> is in order when you okay. evict people. <laughs> I, I think that, yeah. I think that we know a side Mac and I are on <laughs> the revolution. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it extends from this that these people didn't have their documents in order. They just went in and evicted without any paperwork. Like that's true. All right. Because it's entirely possible that they didn't have the deed for, you know, old lady Leatherface's property. They, like, they didn't do their due diligence. If yeah. they had, they might have gotten the old lady and Leatherface out earlier. I mean, it was also a very Ebenezer Scrooge moment. And she was like, I've run an orphanage here for 50 years. And they're like, yes, but the documents, we have the deed. But my dad bought the, your house. So you got to exactly. go. <laughs> all right and we've danced around it ryan you have our quote try anything and you're canceled bro i'm gonna say it again without laughing uh, try anything and you're canceled bro i haven't made sure to hold in my giggle just <laughs> that's very difficult ryan so it's a hard line to say with a straight face. it really is kudos to the guy that says it because he yeah that was a professional Yes. He understood the assignment. It was a dumb assignment, but he understood it. (laughs) I have our poll, which are what are some other final girls you want to see in the Strode Hardesty vein? Who do you want to revisit? Who would you like to revisit? I know for me, my top two, I would love to see Jenny from Friday the 13th part two. Again, she was always my favorite of the Friday the 13th girls. I know Nancy's kind of a given, but yeah. um, and I also, I think stretch from Texas Chainsaw Massacre two could be a lot of fun. <laughs> so yeah, that's my Mac. Who you got? Oh man. I, I wanted others to go. Cause I had the real, I had the dumbest one possible. And uh, cause I mean, yeah, you already meant, men- mentioned Nancy from a nightmare on Elm street. I would I, I had to look it up because I didn't remember. But uh, Jennifer Aniston from the Leprechaun movies. I think I think we should. <laughs> I think there's zero way you get Jennifer Aniston in for Leprechaun nine. <laughs> but uh, I, I think you need to dream big with these. And the Leprechaun week, bro. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, Warwick Davis, he's in. 
Uh, but you know, if you if you could get the whale, that would be a special leprechaun movie, a special, special leprechaun movie, especially considering I had to be staring at Wikipedia this whole time. I, I got the character's name. I like I knew like I didn't even mention it. I didn't need to look it up. I just knew Jennifer Aniston was a leprechaun and that she should do another leprechaun movie so that we all see, feel just a little bit more sorry for her post, you know, Brad Pitt. Like, oh, oh, Jen. Brad leaves and then this. <laughs> We're worried about fine. you, honey. Jennifer, she, she's absolutely doing fine, which is why this Leprechaun 9 fever dream I'm having is not happening. She's absolutely doing just fine. She doesn't need she hasn't needed Leprechaun in 30 years. Did we get her for Leatherface versus Leprechaun? That's what we need to pitch. That's what we need to say. OK, we, we, we see this as a Jennifer Aniston starring vehicle. And and I think we'll get new lines attention that way. Well, no, you what you start with is Jennifer. Jen is already in. You start that. That's how you you don't even you say, finger it. Yeah, yeah. You just say, oh, she's in the movie, whether she likes it or not. Just <laughs> OK, Jennifer. <laughs> Leprechauns after you run. <laughs> All right. Uh, before I give mine, I just want to say uh, Grady Hendrix's book, The Final Girl Support Group which I believe is being adapted by HBO for television um, is a great book. And it has a, a bunch of final girls in it. And they're not due to copyright reasons, the, the women from these other films, but, but really they are the women from these other films. And it stars the, the, the lead character at least is based on uh, silent night, deadly night. Um, oh, they Quigley's character in silent night, deadly night. Who's not really a final girl, um, which is, kind of makes what makes her interesting in the the story because everyone else is like a legit final girl is she the one that gets killed by the antlers she's put on the antlers okay. um in the book she just survives being put on antlers because actually that probably wouldn't kill you if you got down early enough uh, yeah but i think for my final girl i'm not sure she is a final girl i want to have grace le domas from ready or not come back because yeah. i love ready or not um i don't need it to be 40 years in the future um I'd also like a final girl movie where she's not obsessed with the killings and she's just kind of like living her life. Um, yeah. And just like, cause like you think about like world war two, right. Uh, my dad always talked about this with one of our neighbors. Like some people came back shell shocked and spent the rest of their lives, like living through what they went through. And some people did not. And I want to see a final girl who is not living her life um, with the trauma, like has healed from the trauma. Now, obviously you can't ever get rid of all the trauma, but has done more of it than the Laurie Strode and Sally Hardesty who are just obsessed with what happened. Someone who's gone to intensive therapy and moved on a bit. I like it. I like, I like that. All right, Donna, it's now your moment. I had to, I had to go um, kind of deep diving because uh, most of my final girls have come back. I mean, you know how I feel about Terminator and Sarah Connor has come back and kicked some ass already. You know, Lori Strode's come back. Um, most of my, most of my final girls already have come back and kicked ass. So I want you to, I want you to really stick with me now. Happy death day, 2062. Ooh, Ooh I like it. I like I'd it. I'd love to see that. That would be good. Trey, Trey Geldman, 2062. I'm, I, I, I'm 100% on that because Tree uh, is fantastic. Yeah. All right. Ryan, since you are our guest, what is your happy place this week? I have a 
book coming out in April. Um, so we think about that a lot. And I'll be reading at Magic City Books in Tulsa on Thursday, May 12th. If anyone wants nice. to, nice. our listeners are from Tulsa. And if y'all want to come out, we sign in books. Cool. Nice. I, I put that on my calendar is March 12th. I have to go fix my calendar right now. Because Donna's going to show up on March 12th and just be like, Ryan is not here. Where is Ryan? I will not be there March 12th. I will be doing daddy business on March 12th, hopefully. For, for our listener, he's he, he's expecting to be a father soon. It's daddy yes. business is not code for something. <laughs> Just a baby. Just having a baby. It's not a sex position. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got March 12th all blocked off for daddy business. Oh, man. I, I didn't go there, but now I'm there, Mac, and I can't. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Um, Mac, what about your happy place? Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a little uh, uh, wide ranging. I, my happy place is, is new beginnings. I, I would say uh, I, in the last couple of months, I've finished a lot of big projects and I'm starting the next batch of uh, new big projects. And it's always more exciting the beginnings because then it's all theoretical much like leatherface leprechaun parentheses 2023 starring jennifer aniston and warwick davis and somebody plays leatherface a a, a celebrity guest yet to be determined <laughs> could we have spitball here jennifer aniston as leatherface i i that's the poster <laughs> that's the poster because she's doing those commercials for that skin rejuvenation thing. It's yeah. it's it's cross brand synergy. I I I think that's how you get get Jen's attention. It's like you you really want to sell the skin cream. Well, Leatherface is how you do it. The face masks. Yeah, yeah. Oh. sell themselves. They do just oh, yeah. My goodness. And, and leprechauns there too. Oh. Right person on her shoulder. <laughs> I'm so into this. Uh, <laughs> Donna, where's your happy place this week? All right. My happy place is the fact that Ryan's book has a blurb by a Mr. Owen King, <laughs> who is Stephen King's son, which means I am three degrees from my favorite author, which makes me ecstatic. I like it. I like the it. The fact that I could abuse my privilege so blatantly <laughs> to reach Stephen King. I'm not going to, but I could. Makes me so happy. Mm. Thank you, Ryan, for this. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for shouting me out. <laughs> so... <laughs> My happy place this week, because I completely forgot about it uh, until I was watching this movie, is that speaking of Grady Hendrix, they're adapting his book, My Best Friend's Exorcism, into a movie. And the main girl in this is playing the main girl in that. But that was my oh, favorite. Nice. Yeah, that was my favorite horror book that I read last year. So the fact that they're doing a movie about it makes me happy because ooh, that book gives you all the feels. There's lots that of deals. Yeah. So, yeah, Grady Hendrix is kind of he is really becoming one of my favorite horror authors out there right now. So he's, he's got he's some great. good. Yeah, he's got some good stuff. 
Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, where can they find you? What are you on? Plug your stuff, buddy. Thanks for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan B four eight nine zero. Um, and my website is linked to my Twitter. I would say the name, but it's like 60 characters long. And my book Saints Blood is coming out in early April. Um, as soon as I have a pre-order link, I'll be blasting it everywhere on social media. Um, expect a cover reveal soon. I hope. Is that the book that I critiqued the very end of? No, you critiqued the very end of the book after Saints Blood. Um, they're okay. unrelated books. So the one I wrote after Saints Blood is the one you saw the end of. Okay. I think you and Mac both saw the beginning of Saints Blood like three years ago. Okay. Two years ago. Nice. All right. It had it probably it had to have been three because I disappeared there. I, I disappeared into the into the ether for a couple of years there. The cellar. You disappeared yeah. into the cellar. We locked you in the That's cellar. Right. No, we we gotta Not, keep our we gotta keep our mythos straight here. <laughs> It, it, it was Which, one person. I was doing a royal. We won't say who. I was doing a royal we, just so. In their defense, they 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 kept sliding me food and a uh, and an election ballot at one point that I assume was a November. So you know, I kept up. I guess Donna was the election ballot. There was a big discussion about that. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. <laughs> it was it was illegal. I I I. Ballot. I anthropomorphized my I voted sticker and it became the Wilson of my captivity. <laughs> you can find cabin information at beyond cabin on Twitter and Instagram, as well as our Facebook page beyond the cabin in the woods, as well as our website beyond the cabin in the woods.com. Donna, where can they find you at dragon goblin with no I in goblin? There, Cause there is no I in goblin. It's a team effort. Mac, what about you? Where can the listeners find you? Uh, you can find me at my website, partyapocalypse.com, where there are books, blogs, movie reviews, uh, and other podcasts. The Fourth Wall, The Holodeck is Broken, and others to follow. And on Twitter, at Party Apocalypse. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Callista77. As always, thank you to our editor, Billy. You make us sound professional, and we appreciate that. We could not do this without you listeners, so thank you so much. I mean, yes, we could, all of us independently could talk with each other about horror till we're blue in the face, but without your support, thank you so much. And we haven't asked this in a while, but do that review, rate, and subscribe thing. Oh, and uh, don't read the letter. You know what horror is. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.